Welcome to the Short Funk Podcast. I'm Tom Barbelay, and today, a topic. Let's just call it a topic. There have been a variety of topics that I've discussed through Stone Ape that have been on things that have moved people out of their comfort zones. And this is done partially intentionally, but also to show that a general living human who's doing any degree of thinking will move out of political alignment with any of the philosophies that are typically offered associated with the way that you should think. And in this light, there are at least two or three topics that so far I've not decided whether or not they really fit in a short funk recording. The first is associated with perceptions of safety and firearms. And this has been something that has been a kind of ongoing bit of discourse in my own thinking. What I found particularly curious was that when my brother came to stay a few weeks ago, maybe even more than a month ago now, we had quite a frank discussion associated with firearms. And I don't own firearms. I own pieces of firearms and chunks of metal. And none of these things actually constitute anything that is a firearm. I was interested in the 80% firearms movement primarily because it ticked a number of boxes associated with you know, machining and these kind of things. But also, it is a very interesting, not even necessarily grey area in the US. It's an area which is explicitly defined as follows. If you manufacture your own firearms, you do not have to register them. In fact, the registration of firearms relates to commercially made firearms. But the firearms that you make yourself cannot be registered, cannot be sold commercially. But they exist in this state where, so long as you don't break any of the firearms-related laws, i.e. you don't have, you know, fully automatic machine guns and all this kind of stuff, then you can actually make firearms in the US and keep them yourself. You can't sell them, you can't transfer them, but they exist as an entity that is protected by a variety of quite curious laws which still remain in effect. These laws were attempted to be eroded away last year, maybe the year before. But anyway, there was, in California, ghost gun legislation, which related to the fact that these firearms that people were making themselves would actually have to be registered so they could be tracked by the state. An unfortunate byproduct of this legislation was that one of the supporters of this was caught importing shoulder-firing missiles into the US. When Representative Lee, which was his name, or is his name, when this information came out that he was working with a gangster called Shrimp Boy, associated with importing shoulder-firing missiles, it just seemed a little too surreal. But actually it was the case. And it completely defeated the legislation associated with this area of handmade, person-made, individually created firearms. Now, I haven't actually taken the leap forward. I haven't actually machined any of these bits of metal into firearms. And it's something, actually, which I just put away. In fact, when my brother came to stay, I dug out these bits of metal with the view that it had been more than a year, actually, since I'd acquired the various pieces. And just as a machining project, it looked like an interesting thing. That being said, I don't know. I don't know what would cause me to actually machine these things into firearms. But it's an interesting kind of philosophical thing that you can hold chunks of metal, which are not operable firearms, 
But given time and a machine, you can turn them into firearms. Funnily enough, when I did Model Rail Radio Show 100, one of the participants and I had an extended conversation, and it turns out that he's an active builder of his own firearms, and this is like a thing that he does. And for me, it's an interesting political discussion because it eliminates me from a wide variety of movements that are very anti-firearms. And in general, I wouldn't think that I was anti-firearms. I'm kind of in a quizzical position associated with this because... My experiences kind of moved me away from the dominant anti-firearms narrative. And I also think that it's a curiously polarizing topic, which is strangely removed from a lot of the kind of social and, you know, other issues that I think are considerably more of concern than what exists with firearms. Most of the people, in fact, almost all, almost exclusively, the people that I've known that have owned firearms have been very law-abiding, relatively, not always socially conservative, but certainly people that I trust. And when you are around people in a right-to-carry state, like, for example, Nevada, or at least a concealed carry state, you realise that when people tell you, you can kind of assume that at least a good portion of the population in particular areas are actually armed at any given time. And the way you choose to use that information tends to either reinforce that this is a good thing or reinforce that this is a bad thing. In my perspective, I never had any issue with it, and it just struck me, actually, as rather curious. I'm genuinely concerned associated with the way law enforcement use firearms, and I think that's a completely separate issue. I think that relates to a militarization of law enforcement, a kind of vast cachet of military equipment from failed and wrapping up wars. So I think that's coherent in some regard. But one of the beauties actually of living in the US is that you have a smorgasbord of ideas, you have a smorgasbord of opinions, and you can take and graze from what you want. And through this, through my general perspective that if I'm legally allowed to do something, why not actually do it? I come to the position that I am, that I have these hunks of metal, that are still not firearms, but look like they might be firearms sometime in the future. And it rests with me when or if I ever turn these things actually into firearms. It's a curious paradox that I like to have. Tom Barbelay in San Jose, signing out.